the volume. Moneyline Monaco is proud to be presented by FanDuel. Never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel is offering users the chance to play free, no deposit required. Plus, for those folks who want to deposit, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Why do you play on FanDuel? FanDuel Fantasy is an easy-to-use app. Pick a new team every game. Different and unique contests across sports in relation to your skill level. Contests include full slates and single game contests. Compete for top cash payouts. Unique product features. And compete against your friends in head-to-head matchups. For new users, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Go to FanDuel.com forward slash cowherd for more info. FanDuel.com forward slash cowherd. So they know we sent you. FanDuel. More ways to win. Friday crackle beverage, but make sure you get your work done first. Sports gambling with Moneyline Monaco back at you again. Alex Monaco here to give you another exciting interview. This time we're going sleeves rolled up with my man who I've worked with before once upon a Tinseltown time at Yahoo Sports, Brad. Evans, if you play fantasy football, you've seen his face, you've heard his voice everywhere. One of the most credentialed, absolutely dominant fantasy sports writers, sports content creators in the entire space. He's a 10-time award-winning writer. He's a Sirius XM host. You can check out his Fade the Noise podcast. And most recently, he is the EP of gaming content at Bally Sports. Cannot wait to get to the Brad Evans. Let's go back and forth. They all get better at fantasy football. But before then, before we dance with Brad, We're dancing in the ring this weekend. Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley going toe-to-toe in a boxing match that is set for three eight-minute rounds. And Woodley is dancing 20 pounds higher than his actual weight that he fights in the octagon at 170. Coming in at 190, we're looking at the line on FanDuel. It started almost as a pickup. Jake Paul was always favored. He was closer to minus 125 than anything else. All of a sudden, he's minus 160. couple weeks go by. The man is now minus 215 as a over 2-1 to favorite. Woodley plus 164. Unless large late money sways it, it should settle right around there. My pick. I hate to do it. I really do. Because I want to see a Woodley W. Because, you know, it makes it a little more WWE-esque. Maybe it's because I'm a week removed from SummerSlam and I like the drama. And if Jake loses, it makes it hyped. Little round dose for us. But Jake Paul's going to win. He's absolutely going to knock out Woodley. And to me, it is appetizing on a prop standpoint. 
to fire on Jake Paul by points or decision at plus 1,000. But Vegas always knows. And yes, they may be luring you in at a 10 to 1 payout for Jake Paul to win by decision. But if the other option is Jake Paul on a KOTKO at minus 155, all signs point to Jake is not letting this go the full 24 minutes. And just so you're aware, Woodley's coming into this, he's lost the last four. Two by decision, one by knockout, one by submission. He hasn't won a fight since before COVID. 2018 is the last time this man's arm was raised by Herb Dean in the UFC. Paul, he's knocked out Askren, he's knocked out Nate Robinson. You already know this dude knows how to fight. And he has an insane amount of money. So... He has the best trainers, the best boxing team, the best access to facilities, the best nutrition. There is an element of a competitive advantage when you are talking about a multi-multi-millionaire who has the resources a la a Floyd Mayweather and a LeBron James type have access to. So for me, I, although it is tasty, because I did look it up, Woodley, In his last 27 MMA appearances, 11 of them, including 7 of his final 12 fights, it went to the cards. That means it went the distance. So, it's about 50-50, leaning towards he could go the distance. I'm going to take Jake Paul at minus 215. 215 bucks down and win 100. I know it's gross. I want to nibble on KOTKO at minus 155. It's so hard because it's not the octagon. It's boxing. I'm not saying this is fixed, but Woodley gets paid. Jake Paul gets a W. Everybody really wins. That's how I'm looking at it. That's how I'm capping it. Now, if you want to put 10 bucks down to win 100, I'm plus 1,000 of it going the distance out of pride, out of Woodley being smart. I mean, he does have hands. He's never boxed before, but he does have hands when he goes in the octagon. So he's not inept. Ben Askren is a wrestler. There is a little bit of a difference. Now, Woodley is not as experienced as Paul when it comes to throwing hands, but there is an element of athleticism, of pride, of potentially the ability to utilize footwork and dance around with Jake. But this dude's big, man. I mean, he's 6'1". He's got reach, and he's dialed in. He's really committed to the craft. This isn't a gimmick anymore. He's doing this. He's all in on it. He's calling people out left and right. He's calling out Dana White. So I'm going to just do the smart thing. I'm going to take Jake Paul, and I am not going to nibble on the points of decision at plus 1,000. I'm going to double down and take Jake Paul on a knockout. 24 minutes is a long time in boxing. Woodley, phenomenal athlete, but the guy has lost his last four. He, in other words, has lost his Austin Powers mojo. So on that note, that is my weekend pick. We will get to the one and only Brad Evans right now. Without further ado, my friend and the fantasy football expert and extraordinaire. Enjoy it and take out your pen and your paper because you're going, if you haven't drafted yet, to get incredibly better after hearing this. Let's go. 
Former MMA champion Tyron Woodley enters the boxing ring this Sunday to take on YouTuber-turned-boxer Jake Paul. And FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new customers exclusive 30-to-1 odds on either fighter to win. That's right. Now is the perfect time to give FanDuel a shot because you can win $150 on a $5 bet. FanDuel is always hooking you up with exclusive odd boosts, great promotions, and so much more. That's why they're America's number one sportsbook. So don't miss out on your chance to win $150 on a $5 bet on either fighter to win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code MONACO to get in on the action. That's promo code MONACO. Disclaimer. 21 plus and present in Colorado, New Jersey, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com forward slash RG, New Jersey, Colorado, or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Chilling with a familiar friend, my man, who I have absolutely gambled with live on camera once upon a time. My man, Brad Evans, the guy to know in the fantasy football space. How are you, Brad? Great to see you. Great to see you as well, and I'm still pissed off. Uh, I think Texas Tech did us dirty in that NCAA tournament. Uh, (laughs) We should have had all of our chips stacked on the University of Virginia in that national title game, but uh, Dems to breaks, and I have made up tenfold since. Hopefully you have too. Oh, dude, I, I, as I, my ongoing joke that never misses, I've been chasing half my bar mitzvah money since freshman year of college. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm working my way back uh, to even, as you know, Vegas behind yes. me wasn't built off losers. So our winner, excuse me. So, all right. I just saw you tweeted. Let's start here. You were, you were simulcasting, you were hosting a draft and you were having a draft. How in the heck did that just go? Uh, it was a beautiful train wreck on live radio on Sirius XM fantasy. Yeah, it was a 14 team super flex half point per reception draft. Uh, thankfully the sleeper gods, maybe because, uh, I did them some sort of favor on the side. Uh, they gave me the number one overall pick. So, uh, I took Patrick Mahomes in that super flex and it, effectively it's a two quarterback league for people that don't really know what super flex is. Uh, and yeah, I was hosting, I was doing greeds. We had an interview with Mike Spofford from Packers.com, you know, trying to dissect the entire Aaron Rodgers saga. And he talked up Marquez Valdez Scantling, by the way. Uh, so he's immediately wow. on my sleeper radar, a guy with an average draft position, of wide receiver 77 and 200.5 in terms of ADP overall. So, yeah, I mean, I was doing all that. We were answering people's calls. It was bananas, and my team somehow doesn't suck. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty thrilled with the end result. Well, you're such a decorated success in the world of sports. You're a 10-time award-winning writer. You host your own show on SiriusXM. You're the EP of Valley Sports Gaming at the moment. You're killing it. So I, there's so many places to start here, but I just want to ask you out the gate, I, I want to know if you have any fantasy football philosophies. When you're going into a draft, I'm kind of talking to you like a guy that has three drafts coming up, maybe four. <laughs> I don't want to scare you. Right. But do you have any philosophies just kind of coming from, from a place of a guy that, that casually does it? I'm a degenerate in the world of gambling and fantasy. We all live for it. But just to, to try to get better here, let's start with a fantasy philosophy of yours. 
Yeah, I mean, I think what people tend to get caught up in uh, when they go in any draft is they over-strategize. And, you know, I like to go in organized and neat and clean. I'm a one-sheet kind of dude. You know, I'll take my laptop to draft in case there's any kind of breaking news or I got to update my Facebook page or, you know, check out, you know, Instagram or whatever it is. You know, I'm, I'm that kind of guy. But at the same time, I've got one cheat sheet in front of me uh, that are my personal rankings. And I'm, you know, sitting there and I just, you know, cross off names and I highlight guys, star guys later on in the draft. And it just keeps me organized and streamlined in my line of thinking. And I'm not going in and trying to predict what people are going to do in a draft. I like the board fold to me and I am there to suck up as many values as I possibly can in a draft. Now, you know, some of the tenets that, you know, people need to follow is you can wait on quarterback, obviously, unless you're in one of these bananas, super flex leagues that I was just in, then obviously you can't, you know, I took Mahomes at one, one, and then I folded up with Jalen Hurts. So I went bang, bang quarterback to start off and people might say, well, that's really unusual. That's really dumb. Well, in a super flex league, it's not, uh, when you have a, you know, stack quarterbacks in that format, it's actually really a luxurious spot to be in and really set you up for success at other positions. Cause there's always values that fall in that kind of format. But if you're in a single quarterback league, you know, I'm not taking a quarterback. I'm not even entertaining a quarterback probably until round six, round seven. You know, if I don't get the elite tiers, I'm fine with the Jalen hurts. I'm fine with a Justin Herbert. Hell I'm fine with old tequila, Tom Brady, a man after my own heart yeah, because I would have yeah. gotten sloshed on a boat and would have tried to throw the Lombardi trophy in the Harbor as well. <laughs> if I were him in that uh, circumstance. So, you know, these are things that, you know, you need to follow and, you know, you need to follow the drumbeat to a uh, uh, player values. You know, I'll give you a prime example, Jacoby Myers of the new England Patriots, uh, a guy that is uh, on the all helium team that Brandon Funtz and I like to talk about on uh, Sirius X and fantasy a fast riser for good reason, because all off season, this organization has talked him up. Uh, you know, Belichick hasn't singled him out because he doesn't really single out anybody, but he has been catching everything, whether it's from Cam Newton, whether it's from Mac Jones. And I think Mac Jones right now may have the inside edge on Cam Newton to be the starter week one for this Patriots franchise, but he's the new Julian Edelman. And yet people are yet to really catch on to that. Uh, and I go back to last year and Jacoby Myers is wide receiver 25 week seven through 17 in a points per reception format. And he didn't catch a damn touchdown. He'd have a single touchdown and he was still wide receiver 25. So wow. he's got the sticky fingers. He's got the rapport with both quarterbacks. There's not a ton of competition for targets era. You know, I'm not a big Nelson Aguilar guy. Uh, Nikhil Harry, he probably still wants out of Foxborough. I mean, Jacoby Myers is going to see a massive target share. And again, all the local reports have been leading and pointing in that direction. And right now you're getting him at like wide receiver 60 and 170 overall in average drafts. And that's just, you know, taking candy from babies. Oh, man, I love it. So it seems like you're very much Peyton Manning coming to the line of scrimmage, read and react when you see the draft. You let it come to you. I love it. When it comes to, let's call it non-super flex league, maybe a traditional two wide receiver, two running back, one flex, call it a 10-man, 12-man, do you stick to a, you know, I've heard the running back, running back in a row philosophy. I've heard elite wide receiver, then running back. I've heard nab, you know, if you can grab a Kelsey Kittle, top two rounds early. Of course, you just alluded to, you know, one quarterback league, you're taking a quarterback, you're not marinating until the six or onward or afterwards. Do you have a position philosophy when you're going 10, 12 traditional lineup in fantasy football? 
Yeah, I mean, again, you're, you're letting the board fall to you first. And this is also going to be, you know, completely contingent on where you're drafting. You know, you could be at five and you might say to yourself, all right, can I go Devontae Adams here? You know, even in a standard league or at a half point or a full point PPR league. And you say, yeah, absolutely it can. Uh, because he, you could argue as the highest floor of any wide receiver in the NFL and in fantasy football this season. And he's got his boy back, right? I mean, it's, it's the last dance. It's, it's Michael and Scotty. You know, what they alluded to on social media. And the other thing we, you know, would be remiss if we didn't mention it. I mean, Devontae Adams last season in 14 games had 18 touchdowns. And it's bananas. It's been, it's automatic. I mean, it is the most lethal combination inside the red zone is Rodgers to Adams. And it's crazy to me right now at sports books. And I just looked this up at DraftKings because I wagered on it. I'm in the great state of Illinois. They give me that luxury. It's seven to one for Devontae Adams to lead the NFL in receiving touchdowns. And you know, I, already, I actually did a segment on it. I fired on it already. I, I mean, seriously, I broke out the the old Peter Gabriel sledgehammer, baby, and, and hit that. Uh, you know, I know the injury imp is always lurking and snacks on lower appendages of everybody in the league. It's a violent <laughs> game. But, you know, you could even get me 15 games in a 17-game season of Devontae Adams, and I still think he is going to be the unrivaled king in that category. And 7-1? to one? Seven to one. That's a gift from the gambling gods. So, so because I, this is what I'm, I'm feeling like when you're one through four, it's kind of hard to pass up on a premier running back back. in a a half point PPR. When you get to five through ten, after those star four running backs, maybe call it five. Are you going outside of a Devontae? Are you going with a number one wide receiver? Or do you stretch and change your philosophy there? And you think grabbing a running back that's maybe fifth, sixth best in the league versus a one wide receiver that, you know, just could give you that production at the one or not in terms of rounds taken? Yeah, it's contingent on your league setup. Like, if you got three wide receivers that you got to start, you know, I think going Adams there, uh, it's such a premium position. And I know it's got extraordinary depth. I mean, it's the Marianas Trench of fantasy football positions, uh, particularly at a pass heavy age. Uh, but, you know, you go Adams and then you could come back and maybe get a Najee Harris, maybe get an Antonio Gibson. Um, you know, Austin Eckler has absurdly slipped into the second round of a lot of drafts, particularly those that don't score heavily for receptions. And I, I still think you're going to be quite satisfied. Um, and then, you know, in that five to eight range too, you could debate and weigh in your mind, Travis Kelsey, because Kelsey gives you such an enormous advantage at the tight end position. And if you got to start a tight end, some leagues you don't, but you know, most leagues you got to at least start one, you know, uh, Kelsey and Waller. And TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, you know, these guys are uh, George Kittle. They're elites, but Kelsey's really in a class by himself. I mean, Waller's right there. Uh, it's maybe a half a step down. But if Kelsey's there at eight, knowing the depth of wide receiver you can wait on and, you know, maybe have like a, a Robert Woods as your wide receiver one that you could snag in round number four, I think you'd be quite satisfied with that. Maybe a hammer running back immediately following that Kelsey pick in round one. Uh, to have some safety at a thin position, I think it's a fine setup, and I think you'd be very successful overall. So, yeah, I mean, it's really fascinating. In that five to eight range in fantasy drafts this this year, it's like, you know, normally, you know, historically, you would just go running back, running back, running back, running back, running back. Everybody would adhere to the running theory, but now you can veer off in some of these other directions and still have a tremendous amount of success constructing a roster. 
And looking at just year to year progression, are, are you, do you go men in black with it and you go clean slate outside of like an exception like Devonte when it comes to systems, you know, head coaching, head coaches being changed, offensive coordinators, how much do you factor in last year's like a James Robinson who ate, you know, waiver wire pickup for a lot of people. Of course, obviously Travis gets drafted, changes things, new coach, new quarterback, all that. How, how do you in your breakdowns kind of do the last year versus this year and, and assess from that regard? Yeah, I mean, you got to weigh everything on an independent basis uh, at a case by case basis uh, with the coaching changes and philosophy changes and what the history says about a particular coach and his tendencies overall. It's like, you know, Arthur Smith. Uh, leaving Tennessee and going to the Jacksonville Jet or going, excuse me, to the uh, Atlanta Falcons. You know, what does that mean for Mike Davis, for example? Is he going to be the new Derrick Henry? Probably not. Uh, but, you know, there could be a run heavy approach if they have positive game scripts. And Davis is likely to get the lion's share of those touches. Now, speaking about the Jags, uh, Urban Meyer A is going to get shit canned by, uh, I don't know, probably week 10. Uh, wow. And, oh, he's such a terrible fit. Uh, the, the hot take of the podcast let's go uh, hardly the hubris of that man i mean his ego is massive he's got like a wwe wrestler champion ego times 10 and hey, i'm fresh already... off of coming from SummerSlam, so that's just sticking yeah. to my ears right yeah now. there you go i mean you know what i'm talking about and he's always you know flying with the elbow from the top rope and the problem with urban meyer is this uh, I, I think he is belittling the professionals that he's coaching to thinking they're college kids. Uh, Urban, no, man. Uh, they're grown-ass men. They make their own decisions. They have money that you did not give them. You are needing to take a step back and not micromanaging them and saying, all right, guys, let's hustle. Let's hydrate. Let's hustle. Let's hide. They know this already. All right? We're hearing this from uh, Pete Prisco who covers uh, the NFL and, of course, is a former Jags beat writer, works for CBS, saying that, you know, some of the guys are already disgruntled, and we've seen this. It's a, it's already a train wreck. It's off the rails. So, They're so into the from that no, no, so from that note, Brad, do you have, in, in your philosophy, do you avoid certain teams? Like, you're looking at the Jags, you're like, all right, I'm just not even going to fire on anybody on that team or last year's Jets or – you know, this year's Texans, if Watson right. doesn't go, are, are, you know, are there certain, I know you're a reader react guy, but in terms of that, that element, because, you know, obviously there's a, a million ways to build your squad, but do you have certain rules that you abide by? One of them being, I'm just not going to take anyone from this team. They're offensively inept. Yeah. It's like, Hey, they're dead to me. Right. Um, and, the, and anything Adam Gase associated in, in the past, hundred percent that no doubt about it. this is why he's coaching <laughs> high school football folks. I will say this about the Jags. Uh, I am avoiding everybody but one player, and that one player being James Robinson, uh, because volume is everything in fantasy football. The running back position, as I mentioned already, is extraordinarily thin. Travis Etienne's injury, uh, you know, unfortunate for the kid, devastating to the team. Uh, I know they don't really have an identifiable offense right now, but Robinson, what I do know, is going to pick up the mantle here, and he's going to be a Clydesdale, and he's going to pull that beer truck uh, you know, all season long, much like he did last year. I mean, he came out of nowhere as a UDFA at Illinois State, very productive at the FCS level, and then took the league by storm on a lousy team that had one of the worst offensive lines. They're setting up to have a terrible offensive line, but the upgrade here is that they have Trevor Lawrence now instead of Gardner Minshew. And with, you know, DJ Shark, when he comes back and healthy, LaVisca Chenault adding Marvin Jones. I mean, this is a decent offense on paper, 
and it should eliminate, you know, a ton of eight man fronts for James Robinson. You know, I don't think he's going to see it more than a quarter of the time. And he's a, a, a you know, superior pass catcher out of the backfield. So he's going to, you know, pick up uh, those additional touches unless urban Meyer screws this over with his love affair and nonsense for the rubbish pile of a running back that is Carlos Hyde at this juncture in his career. And, and <laughs> that's hilarious on, on the note of, of kind of the, the quarterback carousel, a couple of guys, you know, obviously Stafford's a guy that gets drafted in fantasy football. Typically he goes to a system with McVay. How does someone like that, when they go franchise quarterback moves, you have a woods, of course, you know, Cam Akers goes down, Michelle gets traded. That's interesting. You know, Everett, when, when you have a couple of pieces that have been productive, Cooper Cup, of course, how do you, in your system, and then maybe secondarily, if you could give us a little breakdown without giving us a good burger secret sauce into how you organize your system, do you assess when a quarterback gets traded into guys that you would typically otherwise like when you just set volumes, everything in a Cooper Cup absolutely eats, but he's in a new quarterback, you know, situation. Yeah, look, you got to take all the variables into account when weighing the individual value of a player. So with Matthew Stafford, you go from the dumpster fire that is a Hello Kitties of Detroit to <laughs> now one of the most brilliant offensive minds in the NFL and Sean McVay. And I, I, I think that's consensus. You know, I think everybody believes that. I mean, what McVay did with Jared Goff was brilliant. I mean, he, he masked all of his weaknesses by building up his strengths off play action. And as a result, golf had, you know, a fair amount of success despite a largely mundane or mediocre skill set. And now Stafford can do everything. You know, the reads, progressions, the processing, the commands. He can make all the throws. He's got a big arm. Um, and, you know, when you have Woods, when you have Cup, when you have Tyler Higby, who's a nice post-hype sleeper, by the way. Yeah, you lost Cam Akers. Tupelo, bitter pill to swallow. You make the Sony Michelle trade. Uh, which I thought was very sage by them, knowing that Daryl Henderson can't carry the mail 20 times per game, never was able to carry the mail 20 times per game. So you're going to create this committee environment. Uh, Michelle, he's got arthritic knees. And I know that's a theme of, you know, the Rams. They love Todd Gurley and his arthritic knee. Now they got another arthritic knee in Michelle, but you can manage that with Henderson so they can work in concert together. So you know, you look at the offensive line, that's a variable. Again, McVay and his brilliance, that's a variable. Uh, Stafford having an upgrade in weapons overall, that's a variable. Uh, the defense is a variable. It's a downgrade, actually, for Stafford because the Rams defense is going to be so damn good. So you're not going to have as much shootout appeal and volume overall. But you pull it all together and, you know, you kind of, you know, put it in the sauce and you mix it around in the bowl and uh, you, you get a number that cranks out that makes sense to you and usually stick by it. But every time you're collecting bits and pieces of data, you're making subtle adjustments and tweaks to whatever system that you do follow and subscribe to. What do you think the biggest misconception is for guys that are just casual fantasy football goers that they kind of fall into trap wise? What, what's the, the typical? Is it? Falling in love with a name like a David Johnson who once once was, and now it's right. like, dude, it, it ain't going to happen. And is it also overlooking like a James White where you're saying, you know, volumes, everything in fantasy football, and he typically eats a lot more, but he's not a sexy name. So anything that, that a casual guy does that you could help us avoid going into our drafts this year? Yeah, look, I, I think people fall into the snake pit of, hey, uh, the marquee name like a Patrick Mahomes, for example. Oh, I got to get this guy in round one. No, you don't do that. 
you know, your ROI, it, it's just not going to work out because a tier-to-tier drop-off at the quarterback position is not nearly as steep compared to other positions. So I think that's something that, you know, people fall into, uh, into that bear trap uh, overall. Um, you know, elsewhere, too, I think people are just kind of blind to the latest news and notes that are out there. If you want to be successful in fantasy football, you have got to put in the work. And what I mean by that is you got to listen to podcasts like this. You got to listen to other audio products like, you know, what we do on Sirius X and Fantasy Sports Radio. You got to read news sites like RotoWire and NBC Sports Edge to keep up on the very latest so you know where to veer in certain directions when the narrative changes. You know, you've got to be Johnny on the spot at all times. And the other thing, too, just a piece of advice. You know, I think people overvalue schedules as well and strength mm-hmm. of schedule because as we know in the NFL, roster turnover happens at an exceptional rate every single year. And it, it same applies to fantasy football. Your roster on draft day is going to look very different than what it is going to be, you know, when you're trotting out your lineup in week 11, you know, based on injuries and everything else that, that happened over the course of the year. So, you know, I, I think, you know, schedule don't don't be married to all right uh 15 16 17 uh yeah the the Kansas City Chiefs are facing x y and z who cares you know it could be a soft matchup now it could be a hard slate now but that narrative could change overnight you know six seven weeks in so you need to focus on a fast start not necessarily the strong finish and then make the adjustments as we go and collect new information as we go. So, you know, again, don't overvalue schedule. And one last thing too, I'll say uh, as well, Monaco, don't well, over, don't overestimate the value of your fantasy football draft. So the formula that I abide by uh, it's three parts, the fantasy football formula, I call it. It's one third, the draft one third trades and transactions and one third, good old fashioned luck, you know, dodging the injuries, dodging the benchings, um, you know, dodging penalties that wipe out a touchdown that, you know, might have been hotly debated or contested. I mean, all these things enter into, you know, the, the cake mix and you put it in the oven, you know, for an hour, 350 degrees and boom, there you go. You have a delicious snack, hopefully at the end of the year. So, you know, just don't overvalue your draft. It is one part of a bigger picture that is fantasy football year in and year out. I love it. One more question for you, and then we'll, we'll segue to player props. So I'll get you out of here. Yeah. How do you break down a high level rookie like a, like a pitch coming in? Julio leaves. Matt Ryan clearly is a guy that's thrown for 3,500 yards and more many a years. How do you assess a rookie that has enormous upside like Pitts, who could very well be top three, top four tight end in production, but we just don't know because they're a rookie. Yeah, look, uh, my biggest thing is, A, don't fear the unknown. Uh, and this is also a rookie mistake a lot of people make in fantasy drafts. Like, oh, he's never played a snap before the NFL, Evans. How could you <laughs> forecast him for 800 yards and a handful of touchdowns? Uh, and, you know, time and time again, we, we see guys that have explosive first-year performances. You know, look at Justin Herbert last year. You know, I, look, I, I was down on Herbert. I did a lot of tape work on him, and I was like, ah, uh, there are some things I don't like, but, man, he proved me wrong time and time again, and I owned it, you know? Uh, and other guys, you know, have had spectacular init- initial seasons that we all knew were probably going to, like Saquon in his uh, initial year, his rookie campaign. So, you know, taking a guy like Kyle Pitts, uh, what you have to ask yourself is, is the talent there? Clearly. I mean, he didn't play at the Sisters of the Motherless Floor. He played at freaking Florida. 
So as a result, and he was killing everybody in the SEC, which is essentially the AAA affiliate of the NFL anyway, uh, going up against NFL-level talent. And he now has a clear path to opportunity, right? Uh, same logic could be applied to Devontae Smith in Philadelphia. Uh, who's really going to push him? Jalen Rager? Maybe. Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard? You know, sort of. Uh, but that team's going to be scoreboard chasing. And Devontae Smith, the Slim Reaper, and he might say, he needs to eat a protein shake, Evans. He doesn't have enough girth on his frame. Well, just watch his <laughs> tape, his subtleness, his cuts, his speed are genius. And, you know, guys have been pressing him in a couple of games here in the, in the preseason, and he's been beating him consistently. So, and, and again, I don't know who's really going to push him for target share. So, you know, I believe in talent because I watch a lot of the tape. I watch a lot of college football. And then I just look at for the path to opportunity. And if it checks both those boxes, then I'm willing to go the extra mile to acquire that rookie services. And one more for you. Uh, overvalued you're seeing going way too soon. And then can you throw me one sleeper? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll define what a sleeper is. Cause that's hotly debated as well. I'm avoiding sure. Miles Sanders at all costs in Philadelphia. Uh, the guy's wow. got stone hands. You don't want to trust him with a baby in his hands. I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, he only caught 53% of his passes last season, Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell, another rookie, I think are going to really uh, dominate a lot of the pass down and third down work. This team's going to be playing from behind. Uh, people are drafting him as a top 20 running back. And frankly, I just don't see it. I really don't. I, you know, I like the talent, but I don't like the setup there at all. And Jalen Hurts as well will siphon off goal line opportunities when they're knocking because of his ability to run. So I am out on Sanders. And again, I'm just going to double down on Jacoby Myers. I think Jacoby Myers catches 75 balls this season in New England. And wow. if we get positive TD regression, remember, uh, he had like one touchdown last year. Overall, if we can get to like four, five, six TDs with those 75 catches and likely 950 plus yards. You're talking about a guy that's going to toe the line of wide receiver two that you're getting for nothing, nothing right now in fantasy drafts. I'm totally in on Jacoby Myers and I am, um, I am throwing down the gauntlet with the sports books. Give me a damn catch line on Jacoby Myers player props for week one. That's all I'm asking. And on, on segue into player props, I know you mentioned you're on Devontae. I am as well. Anything else sticking out to you, whether it's wide receiver, quarterback, or running back in terms of player props at, at where you're shopping in Illinois? Uh, yeah, let's give you one of each uh, from those positions. Uh, going back to Jalen Hurts, I'll take the over at 625.5 rush yards. I actually wagered on this this morning. Uh, thank you, FanDuel, for the free bet. Uh, it was minus Hey, that's our book. That let's go. Yeah, that was the over. Uh, I mean, that, that that to me, and it's the cheapest in the entire industry. Some books have it as high as 700.5. So you get an extraordinary value there without a heavy juice. Uh, Hurts has no competition. It's Joe Flacco. Are we really worried about ancient Joe Flacco pushing him? No. And even if this season goes south, that it's going to Philly. So stock up on the booze. It's going to be a long year. But Hertz is the ultimate scoring duelist. Uh, I know he's QB 42 in adjusted completion percentage last year, but a guy that's probably going to average 45, 50 yards in the ground because he squats elephants. Did you see what he did at Oklahoma and the video that went viral? What, he, what did he squat? Like 600 some odd pounds? It's like a Brinks roll. truck he had on either side of the bar. And he just, you know, he cranked that sucker and threw it up like it was nothing. He's a dude. And he's going to make a lot of plays with his legs in an RPO-based system under Nick Sigriani. So I love the over there. Uh, my favorite bet of any position is Najee Harris over 44 and a half catches. Uh, and get this one at DraftKings. Uh, and it's, again, it's it's not juiced heavily. It's standard juice minus 115 on the over. He's the new Le'Veon Bell. 
in this wow. offense. Uh, Harris has come out and said, he said it back in May, uh, they're going to line me up in the X. They're going to line me up in motion. They're going to line me up in the slot. They're going to put me all over the field to maximize the matchup. He's got every branch on the route tree because that's what he ran in Alabama. They utilize him all over the place. He's a stud after the catch. Uh, he's been catching all kinds of passes in camp and in the preseason. Um, this is not, you know, what Lance to say, but it is kind of bold, I guess. Uh, I think it's a 70 catch year for him. And his line is 44 and a half. 44 and That's a half. Incre- hey, you're making me feel good. I fired on Steelers over eight and a half because the last time they were under 500 was the year LeBron got drafted. So I'm, I'm nibbling after that 12 and four season. Yeah, I had hair, uh, I think, at that point in my life. So <laughs> that was an eternity ago. Uh, and then the last one for me, I'll give you an under. Uh, Amari Cooper, 1,200.5 yards. Uh, I found this one on FanDuel. Uh, it's also, you know, standard juice minus 112 at FanDuel. I don't, I don't get this. He's never ever eclipsed 1200 yards in his career in a season he's had a number of you know a handful of thousand yard seasons going back to his days with the Raiders and you know recently with the Cowboys uh but he got the triplets there and Dak is a socialist by nature when it comes to you know his performance in the field he's going to spread the love man so and CeeDee Lamb is going to lead this team in receptions and I love the over on his uh catch prop by the way at 80 and a half at DraftKings I think he's going to set the pace in touchdowns and yards Michael Gallup uh, as another guy that's going to siphon off some of those looks along with, you know, the running backs and, and Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard and sprinklings of him and the tight end and Blake Jarwin. So uh, Amari Cooper under 1200.5 receiving yards feels like easy money. I love it. And let me get you out of here with this. Do you have a futures on who's raising the Lombardi trophy? Is it the first guy to go back to back again since 03 Tommy Tampa? You going with the Chiefs? What do we got? Are we going with someone, a little, little flyer on the Packers or neither of those three? I locked this one in uh, because I like the team's construction. I like the continuity overall and a team that was in the playoffs last year and could get over the hump this year. Uh, Tennessee, a 20 to one. Wow. Yeah. I, I Look, I don't like to wager on the favorites. I, I like a handsome payout like everybody else does it, you know, riverboat gamblers that are out there. But, you know, this team, I think is going to be much improved defensively. I think they have at yeah, a minimum a top 10, probably a top five offensive line. Uh, Derrick Henry uh, is a modern-day football Frankenstein. You know, C-hole smash hole. Uh, and that's what he does. He just lines <laughs> the competition. And then you got Tannehill, obviously, A.J. Brown. You add Julio Jones. And I'm not high on Julio, but as a major upgrade at wide receiver two over Corey Davis, and this is not a knock on Davis, who I think could have a fine year with Zach Wilson and a New York Jets uniform. But I, I just like how this team is constructed. And, you know, they've got the experience and, and they're in their prime. So 28 to one, let's fire away. And that about does it for my man, Brad Evans, 10 time award winning writer. You now know why he's the EP of all the gaming content at Bally Sports. It only makes sense. The guy was an encyclopedia with the insight. I can't wait to listen back to this conversation incredible jam-packed with info insight strategy it's all about timing such as life and fantasy hopefully a little bit of draft order insight as well for you depending on if you're going earlier or later or middle with your friends that you're competing against and of course i loved asking the question about the rookies about year-to-year evaluation we really picked this brain so i hope you got better i certainly did thank you for tuning in i hope you're going with paul over woodley let's cash that let's have a phenomenal 
fantasy football season, all thanks to Brad. Thank you for tuning in. And if you did enjoy yourself, please subscribe, rate, review. I appreciate you on many levels. Let's go. Hey, it's Friday. Crack open a beverage. But make sure you get your work done first. Shout out the brums on the ones and twos. And don't forget to hug your mother. I'm out. The volume.